0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stitch Please Podcast. And like I say every week, this is a very special episode because this episode is The Quilter's Lipker. I did just make that up. The Quilter's Lipker as a way to kind of talk about this fantastic mother... Daughter duo of quilters. And I'm speaking, of course, of Janda Lipker and Rebecca Christian Lipker, who managed to blend powerful African American history with fandom as a way to sustain a joy practice through the needle arts and their work is so vivid, so inspiring and just so powerful. And I am grateful to welcome them both today to the Stitch Please podcast. Thank you so much Jan and Rebecca for joining us today. We're happy to be here. So Jan, I'm going to start with you. Can you talk a little bit and I ask this question all the time. What is your sewing story? Did you begin, did you have lots and lots of experience? I did read that a lot of things kicked off for you as a team in 2020? Did you have any sewing experience that went before that? I started sewing when I was really little. Grandmother in Mississippi, mother sewed, we all sewed.
1: We weren't wealthy and we didn't know that. My mother made sewing fun. So she's like, you can make your own clothes. You don't have to buy from the store. And we didn't realize we were doing that because we weren't well off. And I started sewing my first dress in third grade. So I've been sewing literally my own clothing since third grade. It was fun. My mother made it fun. I didn't realize how I got to an adult. That was sneaky, but it was cool. And then we just grew up sewing. And my grandmother taught us how to quilt very little. And she just experienced, I couldn't quilt with the quilting ladies, but I love listening to their stories and cutting out the fabric because we just took old clothes and we cut patches from old clothing. And they literally sat in a circle and talked and shucked peas. And literally, it was just so much fun. I just like listening to
0: the stories as a kid. You're like, who did what? It was so much fun. If you stay quiet... Yes. And they forgot you was there? there Girl. Is. You could get some tea. Wait, <laughs> what? You know, because they slip into their comforts, you know, when they they forget that repetitive motion, the things you can do and not have to pay such close attention, you know, hulling peas, snapping beans, sitting and stitching with a group of people and the, the harmony of the bubbles of conversation. And so were you about a third grader when you were doing this as well? You grew up as part of your process, you sewing yourself, but also being part of a community of women that did that. I just wanted to hear about this kind of the fly on the wall type scenario of being a little black girl in a big black family with black women talking, talking, talking. I am mean, y'all, I know many of y'all who are listening are not three-year-olds or <laughs> in the third grade, but I'm telling you, if you were a kid as like I was a kid and those adults forgot that you were around, just plum forgot, Right. Let you in a room. A lot of times we weren't allowed in the room. Because you're annoying and you're a kid yeah. and they can't talk and say yeah. anything because kids, as my friend said, are God's microphones. And you say something once in front of a kid that you don't want nobody else to know. And then next thing you know, you hear about it when you're in the line at the bank. Yes. So, yeah, you can't. Loud. Yeah, loudly. Yes.
1: <laughs> Every summer we would go to Alabama and Mississippi as part of our yearly travel. I didn't realize how blessed we were, but we started that when I was five years old. So every year we spent a week in Alabama and a week in Mississippi. So that was the highlight for me because these ladies did this, you know, every other day they were sewing or getting fabric together because they came together and made quilts with real cotton from the cotton fields. So it was just very interesting watching them do the tops. But I had more fun spreading the cotton. Literally, they didn't have batting. They used cotton just straight off the got the seeds out, cotton. So yes. it's a lot of fun, but we did that every year. And I think they didn't let me cut your needle probably until I was in ninth or 10th grade. I just cut fabric.
0: <laughs> wow. That was your apprentice. That was your apprentice day. It reminds me of back in the day, Jan, I think you and I might be close age mates. And back in the day, there was no remote control because you had children and the children were the remote control. Yes. It's like all these Fancy automatic cutters, the machine that can cut this, and the rotary cutter. It's like, no, you didn't need rotary cutters because you have kids, and the kids do that. Or like, I remember vividly my mother calling me over to her very big, heavy metal. I think it was a Singer machine that she had in a table, a huge, heavy. 30-pound machine. And she'd say, Lisa, come over here with your young eyes. I need you to thread this needle. I was the needle, that's what I did. Come over here with your young eyes. Bring your young eyes over here so you can put this needle in. Oh, my (laughs) God. Girl, thread these needles because it was like 10 of them. So I'd be sitting there and I'm thinking, why can't they see this?
1: I understand now, but
0: <laughs> like, why can't they see? Gosh, this? it's so easy, you guys. Just open your eyes a little more, and it's like this is why we don't let nine-year-olds in here, because <laughs> y'all are a pain in the ass, and you give information that nobody's requested. Oh my God,
1: thread them needles.
0: So, Rebecca, how did you pick this up? Like, I know for me, my mother sewed, my grandmother sewed. I didn't want anything to do with it until I went to graduate school and I needed some type of relief, some type of stress relief, some type of something else. And I found that in sewing. How did you, as someone who grew up with a mom who had all of this sewing background and experience, how did that land for you as someone who's clearly creative? Yeah, I was not interested
2: for the longest time. My grandmother on my dad's side tried with Barbie. She's like, look, you can make their own little dresses. I'm like, that's nice. Let me know when you're finished and I'll play with. But I was always crafty. I did everything else. I did knit. I did crochet. But for some reason, sewing didn't click for the longest time. And to your same story, it was in law school where we started the business. We did the hair care. And then I'm like, okay, well, the pandemic has shut everything down. We just had an awful show at a big venue and we're just stuck in the house. And I'm like, well, there's literally nothing else to do. I think with age came patience (laughs) and knowing like, all right, it's not all going to come together. You're not going to be great at it initially, but there's time because literally the whole world shut down. So let's do
0: it. I really love that. I know that it can be so devastating to have a big show where you've expended funds and time and energy and then there's nobody there or people aren't coming because, wait, a pandemic has happened and now you all are about to lose this investment in the funds and the time and like, oh, this is so demoralizing and frustrating. So you come in the house and you say, people need masks, we hear. And Jan says, I have a sewing machine. And the next thing you know, y'all are making masks. Like, was it a big jump to switch from we're going to vend these beauty products in person at shows to let's make masks to sell online? That seems like a long journey between those two points. What was that like?
2: Uh, Fortunately, my mom loves you so much. We don't play about indecisive. Make your decision and let's go. Like, you can think as long as most. once it's time to get rolling, get rolling. So fortunately, she's an amazing shopper. So the getting what we needed was the easy part. It was the transitioning on the website. Our website crashed we had to buy a new one. Thanks to her providence of so going, hey, I saw this advertisement
0: for Shopify. Shopify is not sponsoring us,
2: but if they want to, they absolutely should.
0: <laughs> yes, they're not sponsoring this either. But if you want to, you can hashtag pay black women and sponsor all of us
2: listen. I was like, okay, well, I don't know much about it, but I'll figure it out. And the big theme of us is I may not know all the answers right now, but I'm going to figure it out. And it's going to look great. And trusting each other and trusting that process is how we made that switch in a relatively short amount of time of, I figured out like lighting, photography, I bought a light box to take the pictures. I can't show you in person and you can't feel my vibe to know like, hey, I'm not sketchy. I've actually been out here for a minute. Let me show you how these masks would work and getting the layer, us talking about it. Mom, I think you still hate making ties to this day. I hate making ties. Yeah. And then we realized, oh, elastic sometimes hurts and people's faces are different. So that didn't always work for the fit. So you should do ties, making them stupid ties because they started off Fairly hefty, but as got better and better, they got smaller and more sleek. We had it down to a science. The CDC was like, yeah, forget all that. No more of those cloth masks. You better go buy something. We're like, well,
1: here we go again. Exactly. (laughs) Those kids in nursing homes, because we really felt that kids, they weren't marketing them to kids. And we don't do ugly. We really don't do ugly. So we wanted character masks for kids because no kids wants to walk around with their mother's mask on. They want Spider-Man. They want Wonder
0: Woman. They want whatever they want. Exactly. They want Avatar. They want their own things that they like. Spider-Man. They want what yeah. they want. And they kept them on because they liked them because it was their
1: character fandom. So again, that was the impetus versus this character because I'm a big kid. I will watch a cartoon
0: right now. Same. I want us all to sit down and watch Avatar after this is yes. over. My favorite yes. episode, I think it's season six, the silent episode about the general's son who passed. The one where he's drinking the tea under the tree and it's dedicated to one of the writers on the show. I'm having chills right now. Just remembering that yes. episode. It was so great with uncle yeah. and how he loved that boy so much. Zuko with his rage and oh, just so good. You need to walk through the village, go to the tree to have the picnic. Yes. Yes. See? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yes, exactly. Yes. Rebecca's like nerds.
2: <laughs> I'm just not trying to cry today. Y'all not getting me all puffy eyed. Then I'll be off.
0: All- <laughs> But this is what I love. I love that joy is always our option. Joy is our birthright as well. And we can talk about our powerful history and you can stitch that history with about a half a million stitches. And part of those stitches are joy and laughter and trauma and loss and limitation, but they all resolve through love. And that's how you end up getting the things that you're able to create. Can you tell me about the Henry Box Brown quilt and what led you to tell that story in Stitches? I was talking to
2: strangers on the internet like I normally do. We were on TikTok and I knew I needed help because, listen, my background is law, economics, ain't not a lick of marketing in there. So I had met a really nice other TikToker whose platform was booming. I always recommend people talking to their group, their class, who's next up to graduate.
0: So you met with this very popular TikToker with a booming platform. And I really like how you said it's really good to build connections with the person in the graduating class above you. And what I like about that is that it's a way to talk about hierarchy without feeling like you have to like worship somebody, that you are peers, you are in the same kind of field and the same interests and they have done certain things to get to where they are and they might be willing to share a few tips with you because you're in the same kind of area. And it's also really powerful because too often it seems like because social media is so ruggedly individualist, there are a lot of people that don't want to help anybody else. They feel either threatened or if I help you, Then you're going to step on my heels. But I'm glad you were able to find someone who kind of believes in the National Black Club women's motto of lifting as we climb, which was kind of like what you all were doing. So can you talk about how the Henry Box Brown quilt was the thing, was the piece, the story that moved you or that helped to move your business forward? As we were growing on TikTok, I knew I needed help from a marketing perspective.
2: reached out to him in the DMs just going, hey, I know you're very busy. Please help me. Unfortunately, he responded back. And in the midst of us having that conversation, I'm like, listen, I just being 100% honest, I do not have the bandwidth to pay you for your efforts. And I know that you do deserve that. And that's when he mentioned, oh, could you make something with Henry Box Brown? And it'd be great because he actually has it in his home right now. But also when he was doing shows, because he's also a magician. He's like, that's someone in history I really look up to. And I had no idea after seeing that image that Henry Box Brown had a stint as a magician. So as I was implementing his marketing skills that he was passing on to me, that's how we came up with, I think it's like a three-part series of me kind of telling his story in like a bedtime story type of fashion. And that's kind of what took off from there because A, people had never heard of this person like in that kind of depth. And then B, what was the calmness of it at the time? Because like ASMR was doing really well on TikTok at the time. So, just this calm, soothing voice was working out. And it was just the least confrontational way to discuss a very interesting person's mystery because he has a lot going
0: on. There's so much beautiful about this that seems to kind of become like a metaphor in some ways for your business overall. The lifting as we climb, but also the bartering, the community engaged form of trade that says, hey, I know what you have is valuable and I am not just trying to use you for your knowledge. Your knowledge is valuable and I do want to respect that. But we have a quilt and we have the skill to give you something that is also priceless that he might be able to use in some ways like for display or whatever. Black Women Stitch in the Stitch Please podcast is grateful for all the support that made So Black possible. Special thanks to our underwriters, Spoonflower. Thanks also to Moda for generous sponsorship. Thank you, Bernina, for your wonderful support. Thank you also to Amtrak for partnering with us. Special thanks to those who shared resources to equip the space. This includes AccuQuilt, Orofil, Crimson Tate, So Easy, Ruby Star Society, Free Spirit fabrics kai scissors thank you thank you thank you special thanks to focus right for making the live recording possible through the donation of an audio interface the Focusrite 18 i8 thanks to the bridge pai for the initial funding and thanks also to the modern quill guild for their generous support thank you all so much for making this possible There's something about the piece, the way that you were able to replicate the confinement of Henry Box Brown and the rich details in the image that come through your stitching. It seems very much like what you're showing us is you're kind of writing this story in stitches rather than in words. And I wonder if you could talk about that, about like how you use color, how you use depth and definition through the long arm, like the long arm quilting machine as something that's a form of a language in some way. Can you talk a little bit about how the quilting itself and the way that you use color, how you stitch down a certain design, how that contributes to the weight and the beauty of the work.
1: That is really such a joint process because we go back and forth. We're a mother and daughter, but we both respect each other immensely. So there's times we don't agree, but if the other person has a stronger argument, we're done. We don't talk about it too much more like, you know what? I see what you're saying there. I think that'll work. Let's try that. But a lot of times we literally lay out the piece. We research the piece if we're not familiar. And then we start pulling colors. It's such an emotional part of us when we're quilting because we infuse that in it. So as you know, our quilt arm has a 20 inch space. So we're dealing with 20 inches at a time. If you look at more than that, it's overwhelming. So literally, whatever's under the long arm, we step back, we look at it. What are we trying to invoke here? What are we trying to display here? What are we trying to impart in this, bless you, in this part of the quilting? So, it's more of a looking at the piece, literally laying out all the threads, and then we're pulling back and forth. So, 20 or 30 different drain color is not a, not normal for us. I mean, we've done pieces like Harry Tumman has six colors of brown in her hands. Henry Box Brown had a lot of black, but he had a lot of other colors because we wanted to make it more vibrant. And because we did like that piece so much, we did a more monochrome one of him, more like his wanted poster, which is very powerful. And then we did one with some Chichapancho to literally put him in the box. That one literally looks like he's about to climb out the box. And I'll be honest, we fold him over at night because his eyes, he was coming out that box and we didn't want him coming out that box at night. So <laughs> it got very detailed for us because we do a lot of thought and that's the part we can't explain to people. It's not so much you load onto Larmor and you jump on it. It's a whole conversation between the both of us. What do you think? What do you think? What are we going to do? do? What do you think about this? What about black? What about charcoal black? There's just so many colors that go into it
0: and it does take a lot of, thought prior to before Stitch is stitched. And the way that you're describing the connection, the relationship between the two of you, it's also a conversation between you two, but it's also a conversation with history. Yes. And that's the thing that I think is so exciting that you do the research, you find out all of this information as much as you can in order to even begin You don't begin with, let's pull fabrics. You begin with, what is his story? What is her story? What is she best known for? What do we want to communicate about her? Are these the types of questions that you're engaging?
1: Yes. There's a lot of history that goes into every piece we make, literally every piece. And that's why people go, can you make this? No, not right now because they don't realize a piece can take two or three days worth of research, depending on what we're doing, because we don't want to just jump on it. And it's a lot of time and investment in a quilt and you don't want to just go, Oh, just give them this. They won't notice. we, Every quote, like we're giving it to a family member. That's literally we want you to love this forever. And whether you see some of our goose eggs that we put in there or not, we know they're there because we might throw a heart in, we might throw something extra in. Because it's like giving a piece of artwork in our minds to someone who's going to cuddle with it. And we don't want to be thinking about you're not going to love it because we love it. We don't give it if we don't love it. So that's the part that people don't understand. We love giving them, whether we're commissioning them or not. They're part of us and. We put a lot
0: of heart into it. every quote, every single quote. And it absolutely shows. It absolutely shows. And I wanted to ask about the Harriet Tubman quilt because I think that was the first one that I saw. And I think I saw the Henry Box Brown quilt after I'd seen the Harriet Tubman one. But it's just so stunning. And you all go visit their website, go follow the TikTok. We have the links to all of these in the show notes. The mural itself is is incredibly powerful, is really just so meaningful. This is a mural that I believe is in Baltimore. And then you took that same image and turned it into a quilt. Can you talk about what it means to see something that's like painted on brick? Like it's a brick wall, But then you turn it into a quilt, which is in some ways the complete and utter opposite of what a brick wall is. So moving it from the side of a building to three layers, a top, some quilt batting and a backing is such a powerful transformation. Can you talk a bit about that process and what that was like? That one was a little tougher. Pre-pandemic, Becca
1: was doing the the hair care business. So we were doing a lot of craft shows. At craft shows, we would see tapestries all the time. And I'm an art person. I retired and I just love them. Oh, that's pretty. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to do something. So we bought tons to say, Becca, stop looking at me. To say we bought a lot, we bought like several, like a couple hundred. Because we were at these craft shows, but they were selling them really reasonable. And I had never seen that before because... Becca had me doing 80 craft shows. I love her dearly. And it was so much bonding time. Eight zero? So eight zero. Before the pandemic, we had hit 80 plus craft shows. I think it was at least 80. So you got to walk around in
0: a year. Wow. Yeah. Listen, I could not do 80 craft shows because especially if I was buying stuff, I'd be like, why am I even here? Because all the money I make, I'm spending on the floor. My son was just in college and I really wanted his room. He was really in the
1: tapestries at that time.
0: So again, yeah, being the overbuying mom, I really wanted his room. So, yes, I love you so much. And I'm really going to miss you, but not in the way when you're in your room, because now that's going to be mine. Yes. The couch is always available to you, sweetie. We love you so much. But I like
1: to switch out because he likes to switch out. So anyway, we brought that piece and then we bought it home. Didn't think about it anymore until we started quilting. And then we pulled it out and he goes, oh, Rebecca's like, mom, let's do this one. And I'm like, wow. So again, we're back to well, let's research this. Who is this by? Who is this about? Then we saw the image and I'm like, wow. And literally, we just stared at it. And how do we invoke that and a little bit of us into the piece? So literally, that's what we did. We looked at his artwork, and I'll be honest, we put it up on our iPads, and we looked at it, we looked at the piece. And then we like, you know what, we want the clothes to drape more. And these are all conversations before a stitch is made. We pulled all the colors. I think we probably pulled 40 colors before we were done. It's like, no, this won't work. We want to emphasize the green more. We want to do this. So there's probably 18 different colors of green in that green. I love that people see the stitching that we do, but they don't see it and they don't realize how much goes into every single little bitty element of how you quilt it. But we wanted to respect the mural where to us, the lines on the right specifically, and I won't go into much detail, the lines are brickwork lines. But for me, they're the invisible wall that we're all still breaking through. Those are those little kind of goose eggs, I mean, and the piece, oh, it looks like the wall, but that's an invisible wall. And our favorite part is the back where people don't see It's a brick wall. Yes, we're still breaking through these walls. But she was just such everybody, again, Black, honestly, I think knows Harriet Tubman. We had to respect that legacy of her legacy and that image. So that one was a work close to our heart. And we had to do her justice. So that was a lot of stitching and a lot of thread colors. Becca, what do you think? Ma, I don't know. What do you think? Ma, what do you think? Let's do. How about this here? So again, every piece we do that with, and that's the fun part to me because I get to engage with my daughter, my best friend. So yeah.
0: I love this so much. I'm sure that there's folks listening to this who are like, oh man, how wonderful is it that this mother-daughter duo can have this kind of vibrant relationship based in mutual trust and respect for each person's artistic vision and relying on one another, that there's going to be things where Rebecca's going to know more and there's things where Jans It's going to know more. And that is absolutely okay. And as it should be, this is what a collaboration requires. If you all both had the exact same set of skills and the exact same set of knowledges, it wouldn't work. So I really love seeing that. I think it's really powerful. I just wanted to ask a quick question about the Trapunto. If you could talk a little bit about that, because I think that I love that technique. And so can you explain to the audience just briefly what Trapunto is and how it was useful in getting depth into this quilt. And Tripunto as you know, is using extra layers of batting. In this case,
1: we used poly because it was a higher loft. We really wanted him to appear encased in the box. So literally we went with the highest loft of polyester batting around the edges to give that extra depth. For us, it's kind of sad that it doesn't show up on pictures, but when you see the piece in person, it literally looks like he's in the box because the Trapunto comes off slightly over a quarter inch and it gives wow. that depth in it and It's literally all around the edges. And again, as you know, we stitched a little harder around it to literally give it all the way around encasing him in the box. So it literally looks like he's going to walk out that box. But I love Trapunto like you. And Biggest part is knowing not to stitch it too hard. Becca's like, mom, don't stitch the edges too hard because we want to keep it clearly around the edges.
0: Yes. I love the technique and I have not had much. I think I'm still waiting for that patience that Rebecca says come with age. I haven't found that patience to do a lot of like handwork and that type of manipulation because I'd rather just make an outfit. So. (laughs) Let me ask you all about what you all have coming up. There's some really exciting commissions coming your way in May. What can you tell us about these exciting projects? We have been blessed, Beck and I. The Chagrin
1: Arts is a local gallery that does a lot of work with the Ohio Innocence Commission and the Ohio Innocence Projects. These are lawyers who volunteer their time to help get wrongly convicted, primarily Black men, out of jail. Their last person that got exonerated had been in jail 20 years. And he's also an artist. So a lot of these men are artists. So not only do they help them get out of jail, Chagrin Arts showcases their artwork where they can actually sell it there too. But they're an amazing organization. So we found them. Actually, they found us. There's not much we can't do for them because of who they're affiliated with and how they help these people in these dire So you have these attorneys, which again, Becca up a lawyer, it was kind of like a full circle. And a lot of them are musicians. And my son is a musician. So they're trying to help my son, who's also in law school. So it was just this huge, okay, Jesus, you're just gonna bring all these people to us at one time. Okay, okay. We're ready, we're ready. We we'll take a deep breath and we're ready. And they literally opened the doors to us again. I'm trying not to declare because it's, it's so weird when you meet
0: people, let's be honest, in our lives as adults when people go, Oh, we'll help you. Why? And it they- were. <laughs> You have to step back and you say it in your head. Wait a minute. I'm the one that helps everybody. You're going to help me? Wait a minute. What? See? And it was one of those. OK, so tell me more. You're always polite. Tell me more. And when they
1: got into their mission, it was painless. So in May, they have an annual fundraiser right now. It's tentatively set for the House of Billings in Cleveland. They have lawyers, the Supreme Court Justice. They have a band, and they give a concert to raise funds to help these lawyers again, continue this amazing mission to help these persons get out of jail
0: I don't know if I can mention his name Rebecca can I mention his name the artist Uh, not right now well listen how about this don't tell us people can look it up and find you right and so like I'm going to direct you all to keep your eyes and ears peeled and follow the Lipkers follow on TikTok follow on IG I'm sure as May approaches you all are going to be talking about this and then people can find out what they need to know we do not need to let any cats out of any bags for this interview not at all. But he donated his art. That was the amazing part. He's a multiple Pulitzer Prize winner.
1: He donated Wonderful. his art,
0: and obviously we're donating the quilting to auction off this piece. Oh, so we're excited. We're excited. It's going to be incredible and I cannot wait to see it unfold. As we wrap up this great conversation today with Janda and Rebecca Lifker, I'm going to ask you both. The closing question of the Stitch Please podcast is our motto, our slogan. We will help you get your stitch together. I'll ask you first, Jan, what would you advise for our listeners to help us get our stitch together? Stitch in any way that makes you happy. No matter what anyone says, do
1: what makes you happy. Whatever that craft is, whether it's stitching or not, Mostly just do what
0: makes you happy and it just works out. It's a happy place for you. Just stitch the way you want. I love it. Thank you so much. Rebecca, how about you? How are you going to help us get our stitch together?
2: I'm going to say be very clear about your boundaries and sticking to them. They reap dividends. It's one of like the most expensive things that you're ever going to develop, but they're so important. And sometimes whether you say yes or whether you say no, If you stick to your boundaries, it all works out. So that is something that we've had to use a lot lately of sometimes saying no means I don't hate you, but I'm just not doing it. (laughs) Like I say no in love, too. It's just we don't have the bandwidth and I'd rather not do a disservice to you or to me. So
0: have those boundaries. I love it. And on that note, I am so grateful to Jan and Rebecca Lipker. Thank you all so much for being with us. Thank you for this first conversation. I'm calling it our first conversation because my hope is that we'll be able to have you back sometime to talk about that project for May. And by the time May rolls around, y'all will have something else really exciting. So I'm hoping this will be our first conversation, not our last conversation or our only conversation. I'm so grateful to you all for being here today. Really, truly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Stitch, Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week for stories that center Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. We invite you to join the Black Women's Stitch Patreon community with giving levels beginning at $5 a month. Your contributions help us bring the Stitch Please podcast to you every week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together.